Hi, Judy. Welcome home. Thanks, Leonie. It's so good to be back in Australia. I bet. You're one week home from New York. Yeah. I've been at home for a week, basically. I've got off the plane, came home and have been in quarantine at home ever since. I've only left the house for one reason, and that was to be tested, which I'm happy to say was negative. So it's all systems go, although I'm observing the proprieties and staying at home for another week. Lots to do. Yeah, of course. I mean, it must have been very interesting being in the US as I guess it was shutting down effectively and then traveling home. Yeah, nerve wracking. It was, it became apparent in the last 72 hours that I was there that things had developed a pace. There's obviously a very big leadership vacuum there, which I think unnerved everybody more than anything else. And as things were closing, I realised that I probably made a few mistakes along the way. Even getting on a plane was a big leap into the unknown because I was never really confident that someone wouldn't make a decision and stop me at some point on the journey. Obviously, it's a very long journey home. But I made it and the nerve-wracking part was really waiting for the opportunity to be tested to find out if... I had, in fact, in all of those airports, in all of those places in America, that all those places in New York I'd visited, that whether or not the, you know, the virus had taken hold. So, for now, but there are a lot of a lot of people I'm concerned about. Yeah, I can imagine. Tell everyone why did you go over to the US? What was the purpose of the trip for you and for Unpaused? Well, I felt that I needed to get out of my immediate circle and see who else I could find to talk to about Unpaused. I found that as the podcast has developed, talking to different people with different perspectives on the whole process has been wonderful for the book, but also wonderful, I think, for the podcast. And so I was being a bit brave. People would know from listening to the podcast that David Pryor is a good friend and he's in New York and he had said that he would host a dinner for me if I came and that it would be a good way to reach into a different network of people who might be potential guests so I thought well it was a quiet time of year February's a quiet time David was going to be there for a couple of weeks and So I very bravely packed my bags. And even though the beginnings of the virus were well and truly in evidence, I didn't ever really think that it was going to affect me. So off I went. And we were so excited when David offered that beautiful invitation for a very special dinner. It's been months in the planning and we both felt it was such a great opportunity for the podcast and the book. Well, I knew that, I I knew from you know, my role at the foundation. I mean, I used to do a lot of that sort of thing where I'd just go and give a very brief snapshot of what I was doing, speaking to an audience that my host had assembled. I used to do that a lot for the re-foundation. And I knew that it was just a great way of just enlarging the network and also good for the brain, you know, and also quite a brave thing to do for, a, you know, a woman of my age to sort of go alone and go and meet 20 new people in one hit and convinced them in a matter of minutes that I was on this quest and that I was looking for help. And so 
you know, it's consistent with the whole unpaused framework. You've got to be, you are your greatest advocate and that using your network to reach others is is the way to find new opportunities. So it's all consistent with the whole framework that I'm developing and I've lived it a little bit more myself now. I did have to push myself. I I did feel quite untethered there for a Was while. Was that because Look, of COVID or, or just generally did you feel that, yeah, no, travelling is no, such a long way alone? Look, COVID, yes, but also I'm not, I've done a lot of travel on my own, but the older I get, the more timid I think we all become. And so I had to gird my loins and make myself do it. And I did feel that at times that I was, if something went wrong, I was a long way from home. But look, technology is amazing. I could speak to everyone at home as much or as little as I wanted to. And I also made sure that I had small harbours Wherever I went, I stayed in a hotel, which I'd stayed in several times before. I knew the staff there. They knew I was travelling alone. I had David there, of course. Mark Blazer was there. And various different people I met up with again, who I'd met before, all made a point of making sure I was okay. So I was fine. But it's the mind that plays games, not the, you know. That inner voice. That inner voice. Always and and also I think as a woman of my age you do become cautious and self protective. Apart from this recent scary test that you went through, that your return, that the trip was a triumph. I mean, in terms of networking and enjoying the dinner and seeing David and meeting a wealth of new potential guests for the podcast and which will serve for research for your book. It really was a wonderful trip taking away your it was it was it was good and it was busy and it meant a lot of preparation on the go which I think is another discipline I got up lots of times at five o'clock in the morning it was not a holiday there were aspects of it that were you know lots of I mean I had a very nice time and there were lots of aspects of it that were leisure but I was sort of constantly thinking ahead to what I had to do the next day. I'm a bit out of the way of it, I suppose. I'm not doing that every day of the week, so it involved a certain amount of focus. I did. I, I should also say I did do a couple of very brave things, such as driving out of New York in a rental car, New York peak hour on Friday afternoon, getting out of town to go upstate was challenging. It was raining, we got diverted onto country roads with no edges on them. There were very many character building aspects to that particular journey that was to have taken two and a half hours that actually took four and a half. So I would say that as a character building exercise, several things happened that really did test me. But look, it was great. And the big thing I take away from it has been the people that I met that I just, I mean, even if I wasn't doing this, I'd think that they were terribly interesting and um, and great people to meet. And I've really bonded with one or two of them. My challenge now is to sort of stay in touch. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me at all. In the brief time I've known you and worked with you, it doesn't surprise me at all that you've made some beautiful connections with people. And I'm really well, looking forward well, to hearing you. Well, into I think paradoxically, the COVID crisis has given all of us a reason to stay in touch more than we might otherwise just from the perspective of caring about 
people we know in faraway places who may be going through a more uh, extreme form of the crisis than we are here at the moment. Absolutely. So on that note, should we keep podcasting in this lockdown, pandemic, anxious-driven world? Is it important for us to keep working and to, to keep putting out episodes? What's your view on that? Well, I definitely think that the podcast world has become more important than ever. I listened to a podcast recently. It was actually Jacob Weisberg, who was at the dinner, who runs a big podcast sort of hub in New York. And he said that the thing that makes the podcast world so distinctive is that every podcast is very personal to the podcaster and sometimes the lack of polish, the lack of finesse that you would have in a broadcast radio situation is what makes it so appealing. And so in this world that we're now experiencing where everyone's a bit on edge, lots of people are feeling isolated, lots of people are confined to barracks. I think that that whole world of podcasting and that very personal relationship that the podcaster has with her or his audience becomes all the more important. I also think that from my perspective, I'm looking for material that is uplifting and happy as opposed to all the gloom and doom that's out there. I'm trying not to listen to the news or read the news more than once a day. It's too distressing and the more I listen and watch, the worse I feel. So I'm really searching out those podcasts, emails, newsletters, sites that are pointing me in the direction of something more uplifting to just to relieve the, the sense of anxiety, really. I couldn't agree more. And that's where I think this podcast can be useful. I also think we've got a lot of time to consume and creating structure and that structure for me is the discipline of the podcast as well as the discipline of writing. I think we need more structure than ever before and I have fritted away a few hours fretting over this situation but from here on in I'd like to get a lot more work done and help others to get more stuff done too. Mm. It's interesting you say that because with all these offices now being told to work from home and as slowly countries are being literally shut down, the whole remote working, flexible working element of our lives has come to the forefront and structure is such a big part of that, I agree, in terms of where you work in the home, how you approach your day, how you navigate children if you have any or anyone that you're caring for. Do you have any little tips or what have you learnt just in the last seven days of trying to carry on your work in isolation? I do think all of the routines that begin your working day you have to adhere to. I mean, for instance, I go to the gym with my great friend a couple of times a week, or we used to, and now we've both downloaded the same gym program and we do it at a time that we agree on by text every day might be four o'clock in the afternoon, might be seven o'clock in the morning. And so we do it simultaneously. We decide what we go, which episode we're going to do and we do it. And then we ring each other up <laughs> and whinge basically. But, you know, it's, we can't see each other. Yes. But we're, we're still exercising together. We're still exercising together. I mean, I do stop a bit and she probably does too. But it's sort of adapting. And I think that 
if I went back to the ethos behind the podcast, the whole ethos is reinvention. What we're really doing is reinventing all of these ways in which we communicate in a normal day. And equally, I think with the podcast, we're reinventing the podcast. Why does this podcast matter? How can I make the podcast be more relevant in these difficult times? So all these routines, you know, forcing yourself to get up. I do three things every morning. And I've done this ever since I stayed with the kids and my husband in a service department when my third child was one. And I watched these cleaners come in every morning and they basically did three things. I unpack the dishwasher and repack it every morning. I make my bed and I put on a load of washing. As soon as I've done those three things, I feel like if nothing else gets done, I've begun the day. All will be okay. And all will be okay. And then you do all the other things, you know, like there may be other things that you do. But if I get those three things done, but I think that if you can, even if that's all you do, and then you start your working day, then the end of the working day is never as terrible. I mean, I can find a million other things to do. And I think the discipline is to actually say, well, by nine o'clock, whatever hasn't been done, doesn't get done. I think that that's quite, quite important because otherwise for whoever the house person is, that that housework just leeches into every corner of your day. You just have to be, you have to observe those cutoffs and say, look, actually, I am working from home, but I'm not going to turn myself into a domestic drudge at the same time. What can our listeners expect to see from you over the coming days and weeks as the virus pandemic unfolds in Australia? Well, I think more of these short interviews may be focusing on one aspect of getting your house in order, basically. So I think, Leonie, we should do lots of these little interviews and just go through it one good tip every time. And I think this is very achievable. You and I know have set up the technology to do this well. So let's get on and keep putting out some positive things. One other thing I'd like to do is perhaps point people in the direction of some good books to read. Um, Happy books. I walked into a bookstore in New York, McNally Jackson, which is just around the corner from where I stay. And I said to them, have you got a happy book? And honestly, they were so perplexed. Happy is hard. But actually, I'm a bit of a collector of happy books. (laughs) Perhaps today I'll start with my favourite book at the moment, which is called A Gentleman in Moscow. It is like a fairy tale for adults. It's the most beautiful story and paradoxically also about a character who is put under house arrest for 30 years in the Metropole Hotel in Moscow. And so very opposite to what we're all experiencing at the moment. But I'll put a photograph of it on our Instagram. But it is absolutely my favourite book at the moment and written by an author, Amor Tales, who lives in Greenwich Village and actually at the bookstore, McNally Jackson, they said that he's a regular browser in the bookstore. And so I felt like I was really sort of living through that book when I was when I was reading it. So I can really recommend that when you're feeling a bit down, there's a book to uplift the senses and it was really beautiful. I'm definitely going to read that. Thank you. Anything else you want to mention? No, I I know. I think we should press on with these little interviews, Leonie, and let's see where it takes us. Well, thank you for talking to us, Judy. Well, thank you, Leonie. (laughs) 